really means a lot. Man, when you work with good people, everything changes. It's kind of like, it's just, it's fun to come to work when you have people like we have. Now, there's a new modern technology that has just come out that I just love technology, don't you? It's called a flannel graph. Have you heard of that yet? It's making its way. I'm telling you, it's making its way in. It is a big, big deal. And, and, and these are rocks. Okay? Uh-oh, did I just do something? These are rocks. And today we are going to talk about a story that absolutely made its way into my life from the flannel graph. It's a story about a guy who was committed to prayer. Who is that? Daniel. Daniel. Now, down in the pit below, we have some very mean animals. They are called lions. And you have Daniel and the lion's den. Isn't this amazing? This is like as high tech as you can get. And so we're very appreciative. Now, this story of Daniel is, uh, is a big part of our series called Exile. Next weekend, we finish that series. So stay with us this weekend and next as we wrap this up. But what happened was the Babylonians came rolling into Jerusalem, wiped it out, killed people, made slaves, took everybody away. And then Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego became kind of like stewards to the king. At that time, it was Nebuchadnezzar. And we've been talking about Nebuchadnezzar, that crazy man. He finally, it kind of broke through. He became a pretty good king at the end. Now we're dealing with King Darius. Isn't it ironic that now that, now that we have Daniel, I remember as a kid, in, in my flannel graph days, I remember Daniel as being a young whippersnapper. You know, and, and I, think, I think I thought he was like 17. And when you're 9, 17 is like, cool. But no, he's like 80. He's like 80 in this story. How many of you that gives you hope? God can use you no matter what. So, so never give up. Your best days may be ahead of you, no doubt about that. So, so this story takes place in this crazy world where it's pagan. There's idols. Nobody is worshiping the one true God except for Daniel. And Daniel takes a stand. He draws a line in the sand. And he says, I'm going to live for God. In your outline, if you want to follow along, on the back page is a, an outline. And just put this down in point one. We can be godly leaders in a pagan world. Daniel teaches us this. You know, we don't have to make everything Christian around us in order to live with godly principles in our lives. And we don't have to live with frustration that no one else has the same belief system as we do. But that's often what we do. It's often what I see believers do. I don't even like the word Christian anymore because it's polarizing on, on every side. Uh, it doesn't mean anything anymore. But if you're trying to follow the teachings of Jesus, pay attention to how Daniel did this in a pagan world. Daniel chapter 6. If you have your Bible, just lay it open on your lap today because we're going to be going right through that chapter. Verse 1. Darius, that was the king, the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. Here's the structure. He had appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others 
as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. That makes him in the top three. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and the high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. How in the world does this happen? These These are not his people. He's an exile from Jerusalem. I mean, think about that. He doesn't fit in this culture. They took away his clothing, his food. He changed his hairstyle. He changed, everything changed in his life. And yet he worked so hard and had such integrity and such character in a pagan world that soon he's second in command to the entire empire. You've got to explain that to me. You know, we typically would be whining about all the changes that we have coming to us, and we wouldn't make it to second base, Right? That's typically what would happen. But somehow, Daniel had the favor of God and he had the favor of the king. We've got to remember this. Daniel kept doing a good job with every task that was given him. It's the difference between pushing your way into something and opening the doors and inviting people into something. Daniel was really good at inviting the king to ask him questions And he became involved in giving wise answers. And I'm telling you, he did not make every conversation about his one true God. He simply had wisdom and integrity and made good decisions in the political environment that he was in. So let's learn from that. And maybe God will give us favor as we enter what could be one of the most horrendous, most awful campaign searches in the next year here in America. It's just going to get ugly. It already is. It's going to be mean-spirited. How can we have the spirit of Daniel going into this and pay attention to the opportunities that we do have and not burn bridges with everybody on the way? It's a big question. Number two, prepare to be falsely accused. Prepare to be falsely accused. Now, we, when we as a teaching team get together, and we, we, it's months ahead of series. There's eight of us. And we study. We put all, everything on whiteboards and break it down and look at the text and all, blah, blah, blah. Assign the weekends. And then it boils down to the month before and then two weeks before. And then on a weekend like this, last Monday, I submitted this outline. When I put the second point here, I thought it was accurate. But Thursday, I was talking to Bonnie, my wife, and And we start talking about this, and it's not accurate. Because Daniel was not falsely accused. He was tricked. And the king was tricked. And he ended up in the lion's den because of trickery. Let me just just admit that. He was accurately accused for keeping his conviction by praying to the one true God. So with that in mind, let me read this. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. I love this next line. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Can you imagine that being said about anybody in our world today? We can't find one thing to condemn them for or criticize them for. He was faithful He was always responsible. He was completely trustworthy. So they concluded, get this, 
our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel won't be based on his behaviors or his love for the people. It will be in connection with his rules of his religion. In other words, we've got to make a law that take away what he can do because of his convictions before God. That's a pretty strong place to be when that's all they can get on you. You know what it says? It says that they knew he was a man of conviction. They knew that the principles he lived by would not be compromised even if it meant his death. That's pretty deep character, would you agree? So we see this, this whole thing unfold. The administrators, the high officers, they, they decided, and it's all in chapter six, but they all decided to go into King Darius and make this big to-do. So all these hundreds of leaders dress up, they go in before the king, and they start their whole talk with, long live the king. And it's this big idea of, Darius, you're awesome, we love you, you're the best king we've ever had. We wanna honor you. We would just like to do a little something, and we, we have a law that we would like to put into place just for 30 days that people would be able to worship only you. No other God, human or non-human. And what, I mean, Darius was like, I think he was pretty flattered. What does flattery get you? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Some of you said nothing. But, but in, in the true world that we live in, I'm telling you, flattery really does work. And Darius, even though he loved Daniel, you'll see here in a minute, he, he hated that he, he fell into this trap, but he let the people praise him. He believed the things they were saying about him. He, he let it kind of flood into his heart. He kind of liked this whole thing. They said, let's give orders that these next 30 days we can only worship you. And he's like, oh, am I worthy? Yeah, you're worthy. It's a dangerous place. Why would Darius sign such a law? It's called ego. It's why so many people make foolish decisions in their life. You know, we have people in our world today that get depressed because they don't have enough followers on Twitter. You can now buy followers. Wow. Just so, just so it looks good. I, I know of people, if they don't, they don't get enough likes on their photos on Instagram, they're depressed. What is, what is going on? What's going on is we are people who need affirmation. We live with a lot of insecurity. That's what's happening to the king. You guys, please examine your life. I just, if there's nothing else you remember today about this message, remember this. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has an idea in mind. He has a purpose for your life. He loves you. He made you. He affirms you. He likes you. He's clicked every box on your profile. You are his greatest. You are affirmed by God. That's a big thing. Yeah. Thank you, God. So, hey, if you get defriended by someone, you still have God. And you don't have to remind that person that you have God and they're going to hell. <laughs> yeah, the other day I was, I was trying to, because that's typically what human nature does. Anyway, um, I, was, I was pulling into this kind of busy, you know, downtown can be really busy at certain times here in Fort Collins. And I was pulling in looking for a parking space. And I typically park a way out. I like trying to get the steps and all that. But 
But there was a place right in front. So I pull in there, and it, there was a sign there that said, reserved for the employee of the month. And I thought, well, I could be a good employee for a month. Thank you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I backed out. I went and parked. And I started thinking about that. And somebody has recognized an employee at this place and said, you've done such a good job, you get this special recognition. And I thought, that's, that's kind of a cool thing. And then I thought, what happens if they don't get that next month? And they're driving by that parking place going, that person didn't deserve one. No, that probably would never happen. Sorry, if you do that in your business, carry on. Just think it through, okay, just think it through. Um, I don't really know why I got stuck with that. But anyway, the point is, Darius let this come over him. He let the praise of people win. He signs this thing. And, and number three, Daniel refuses to compromise his routine. He refuses to compromise his routine. He's been, he's been praying. So, so here's what happens in his life. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows wide open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house, and they found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king. They reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, this is an aha moment, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Heart sick. If you know this story, you know that Darius really struggled. He spent the rest of that day trying to undo, trying to undo this thing that he had signed. Flattery caught him off guard. He did something that was out of his normal character. If he had known this was going to be a trap, he wouldn't have done it. But man, he was worried about this. What are the routines in your life that are not going to change? What are the routines and the principles, your integrity, your faith, your care, your convictions, what are those things that don't change? There's, there's two words that I want to just drop in, kind of parachute into your brain today. You know these words, absolutes, which don't change. These are like the Ten Commandments. And preferences, which do change. I prefer, I hated Brussels sprouts as a kid. Now I can tolerate them. You know, only the way my wife cooks them, I think. You know, a little garlic salt. You put garlic on anything, it's better, right? You just can't talk to anybody for the rest of the night. But anyway... Absolutes or preferences. Say that with me. Absolutes or preferences. So what happens is David, I mean Daniel, has absolutes in his life that are not going to change. And, and it's not a preference that he has flexibility with. So I think it's important for us to, to be able to have conversations with people and allow them to have preferences. You know, if I, if I stand up here and say, here's the truth, blue is a better color than green. How many of you disagree? Get out. No, I'm kidding. Just kidding. I am totally happy that you prefer green over blue. I don't care. I don't, I'm not going to personalize that you don't share my preference. You with me on that? 
But what happens in our culture is we want people to agree with us in our preferences and we create fights and arguments over piddly things that are preference, not absolutes, and we do away with our influence in their eyes. This is happening every day. Stop that if you're doing that. Believe God to put convictions in your heart. When you live your absolutes and you will not waver in them, those are the things you will die for. You, you can, you, I'll be flexible with almost anything, but if you say I have to deny that Jesus is a reality in my life, that there is one true God, well, guess what? I will die before I will renounce that. Why? That's an absolute in my life, period. No matter what the law says or what anyone else says. But I don't feel that way about blue versus green. So Daniel had been wise. He had paid attention to what was worth fighting for, and he wasn't going to cave in in this situation. Number four in your outline. We may suffer because of these convictions. This is just the reality of what it is. We may really suffer. You know, when you take a stand for something, not everyone's going to agree with you. Just make sure it's a stand that's based on an absolute and not something silly. Right? I'm, I'm hoping you're, you're with me on this and you're thinking it through. The king was troubled by everything that he'd done. He knew he had been tricked. And so the Bible says he spends the day trying to undo this, but it won't happen. And, and he doesn't know what to do. He finally, you know, they come to him in verse 16. It says, so at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the, the king said to Daniel, and this is as he's being put in the pit, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I love this technology. <laughs> Daniel goes down into the pit. He's with the lions. Let me ask you a question. What is your lion's den today? What is, what is holding you in bondage? What has captured you? What are you facing where there's no way out? If you can't think of anything, praise God, right? But some of you are up against it financially, relationally, the challenges that are very real in your life. What is your impossibility that requires the strength and the miracle of the Lord? Sometimes I watch, and it's this moment in people's life that grows bitterness, intolerance, hate, anger, for the rest of their life they can never get out of the pit. Oh, someday, someday I'm going to get even with them. They put me in that pit. I'll never forget that. And they live their future tainted by the pit. And I want to just say that is not God's best for you. If you can learn from this story, and you'll see when he comes out of this lion's den, it's unbelievable what Daniel says. Unbelievable. But I want you to just be sobered by the reality that how you handle the pit and the lion's den is a very important part of what your future is going to give back to you. That's the big takeaway from this message today. 
They put, this, put him in, they put a big stone on it. There's a big process of sealing it with the king's seal so no one can let him out. It's beyond the king's control now. And finally, um, he's, he's, just, he's just had enough. And, and he, he gets there and he calls out. This is verse 20. He calls out to Daniel and he says, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions. And it's a big, it's a big moment. And, and all of a sudden, there's this point five in your outline that says God can do the impossible. God can do the impossible. I, I, I think the king was hopeful that this God Daniel served was real, but it's not very likely. This was not the first person in the lion's den, and no one has ever been alive when it's unsealed and, and it's opened up. They're dead. Why? Because the lions ate them. That was the whole point of the pit. There is no escape except God. And man, when you walk with that knowledge, all of a sudden in verse 21, the first thing that comes out of Daniel's mouth after the king says, "Are you? did your God save you? He says, long live the king. <laughs> what? I don't know about you. I, I mean, I can't fathom this. I, I, I might have said something like, yes, I'm alive. No thanks to you. Why'd you put me in this pit? My God's bigger than you, and we're going to smash this place. <laughs> That's not Daniel. It's not Daniel. Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. Talk about not living with a chip on your shoulder. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him. This is how they found him. So, someone said, is he having a cigarette? I said, no, he's not having a cigarette. That's so bad. It just has that look, you know, sitting there. He does, doesn't he? What would happen in the next service if I put a little white cigarette on there? <laughs> that would be so bad. I'm going to do it, I think. I'll do it. No, I'm not. Don't get mad at me. No emails. Okay. No. Now he's back to himself. And uh, now he's all good again. I, I love this because the king then gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. I want to make one statement here before we wrap this up. I don't like this part of the story, but there is a point that we need to make with it. The king knew he was trapped. He was angry at the people who had trapped Daniel to, to try to kill him. So he ordered all of them to be thrown in the pit. Not only them, but their families, even their children. I don't get that part. They're, the kids are innocent. Why should they die because of the father's sin or the mother's sin or whoever? Why should they die? 
And it, it really prompted some deep thought in me and some discussions with some of my friends about this because I, I deal with people. I've, this has happened right in my office when someone says to me, look, this is my habit. It's what I do. I like alcohol. It doesn't affect anyone else. So what? I sleep it off. I go to bed. It doesn't change anyone else's life. That is a lie. Your addiction impacts other people. Your addiction is not just between you and God. It's between you and God and others that you influence in your life. Sin doesn't just stay in the person who is sinning. It eventually filters out and it impacts, even destroys, even kills other people. Don't believe the lie that this is just me and no one else. It's not true. And these poor kids died because of the poor decisions of the leaders in their life. How did Daniel maintain a sweet spirit? I don't know. He's, he's, he's one of the few people in Scripture that doesn't have a failing record. You know, David had adultery. You look at Moses, you know, hitting, striking the rock. You just name him, Noah and his drunkenness. All these greats that we talk about have this scar in their life somewhere. Daniel, he just stayed sweet. He just had this attitude that he'll serve. He wasn't pushy. He wasn't bossy. He just did. He just did what God put before him. Well, then Darius goes off on this big, you know, God's, Daniel's God. He's the God of all, and, and he, you know, he's the living God. He will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. You can read all that, verse 26, 27, all this stuff. <laughs> he overcame the power of the lions. And then I, I think of this last little verse, 28. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, who's going to be next, the Persian. No wonder Daniel prospered. Last takeaway, he, he did not burn any bridges, even though he had the right to. That's really, that's really got me thinking this week. You can justify burning a bridge with someone, can't you? I can. Well, they deserve it. But he never did. He never let that get in him. He just said, you know what? I'll leave that with God. Because I'm not going to leave my past. I'm not going to stay in the lion's den. I'm going to move on because God has a plan for the rest of my life. Why don't I show up there instead of living back here? Three things to think about. I'm, these are really quick. Number one, will I trust God? It's a simple question. But for some of you right now, it's the biggest question you could ever ask yourself. Will I trust God? Some of you are in the pit. Will you or won't you trust him? I'm encouraging you to trust him. Be wise. Number two, will I become bitter toward the system? Bitterness robs you of your future, and you're going to dream about it. You're going to cry over it. You're going to be angry about it. You're going to have resentment. You're not going to be yourself. How can I let it go? Ask the Lord to help you to move beyond the pit. It's not right what's happened to you. It's justifiable that you're angry. I get that. But your future's more important than that. Your future's more important than trying to, to get even and wish evil on someone else. Number three, will I continue healthy routines in my life? Will I keep praying? Will I keep trusting? I've had people say to me, well, I'm never going to trust another person again. I, I get that. But I pray to God that that's not true. I pray that you will trust another human being again. You know why? 
Some people are trustworthy. Amen? And God is certainly trustworthy.